Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Father, I pray right now over this message. I pray over each and every person that is, uh, that is represented here today. I thank you, God, that you allow for me to do what I cannot do in my own flesh, and that is to preach your perfect word. Would you please open up the ears of the people in the sound of my voice, open up their hearts, that they are, they're open and ready to hear, they're open and ready to receive. I thank you, God, that I come and I serve today as just somebody who comes to plant. And ultimately, God, you shall send other laborers along their path in order to water it. And ultimately, you shall receive the increase from it all. May you be glorified in it. May changes be made today. May the message be practical. May it be applicable. May it be relevant. And may it be something that we take home and we apply. This is our huddle, God. We receive the play you have for us. And for the rest of the week, we will run it. We thank you for it. We believe you in it. And through it by Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's jump into this. So we're finishing out our sermon series on roots. Roots. The question that we have been seeking to answer is, what is holding you down? If this is your first time coming, you may assume when you hear the question, what is holding you down, you may assume I'm talking about something that is on top of you. When in actuality, I am not. I'm actually talking about the thing that is beneath you, the thing that you cannot see. We've talked about a lot of things over this past month. We've talked about renaming the baby, changing, changing the name that you have called yourself, the name that people have called you, and changing the name that you have called those things that God has told you to create. We've talked about identity, that struggle between Jacob and Israel, the Israel in you wanting to do the right thing, and the Jacob in you, the trickster in you wanting to do what is wrong. And we talked about making up your mind, making up your mind whether or not you're going to be Israel or whether or not you're going to be Jacob. And whether you believe it or not, Jacob and Israel are both present in this place right now, and they're sitting in your seat. The Jacob in you who does not want to and the Israel in you who says we have to. We also talked about wrestling with God, wrestling with God. Talking about picking a fight with God and actually winning. That Jacob wrestled with God and God had to break his hip. Because the, the scripture actually says it seemed as though Jacob was going to overpower him. But how many of you know that God will not be defeated? So he could not overpower God. God broke his hip and it required Jacob to lean on him. And maybe you are wrestling with God. Maybe the thing that is holding you in place, that's keeping you stagnant, that's making you plateau, is that you have been wrestling with God for far too long. And he has already broken your hip. You are limping. You've been limping for years, and you just won't give in. Jacob finally laments, and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. We also talked about, we also talked about father wounds. We talked about, we talked about when men fall short. The scripture says that we all fall short of the glory. We all fall short. We always have to remember that just because people before us have fallen short, it does not mean that we have to follow in their footsteps. Simply put, we don't have to eat. If, if, if our fathers ate sour grapes, we don't have to get the stomachache from it. That Jesus Christ has come to set us free. And now we have the authority, we have the power to be able to walk in truth, that no matter what happens in generations past, that we can live anew and we can do something different. We can set a different path. Maybe it hasn't been in your family, but you know what? Because, because you are here because God called you and, and birthed you at such a time as this, and you can walk and you can do what it is that God is telling you to do. We also, last week, we talked about being mad at God. 
And I know many people who are angry at God. They're mad at him because he, he, they, they feel as though he took something away that they wanted or he did not give something they, felt, they, they feel as though they needed. Mad at God, angry at God over, over what he didn't do. Mad at God over what he did do. Mad at God over what, what, what he didn't say to you. Mad at God because you knocked and the door didn't open. Because you asked and you didn't, you didn't find. Because you were seeking and you did not get what you were looking for mad at God. But today I want to deal with a very particular subject as I seek to as I seek to bring all of these things together. Romans 11:16 has been our base scripture and if you if you have your Bible app you can of course you can you can go on the Uverse you can click on the Bible app you can find a message. If not you can go to the Gathering Races app. If you have not downloaded our app I would encourage you to it's completely free. Download the app, scroll down, it says sermon notes. You can follow along with me with the sermon notes. Romans eleven sixteen has been has been the uh, the foundational scripture here, and it's very simple. The ending part there is what I've been so concerned about, and it says, "For if the roots of the tree are holy, then the branches will be also. For if the roots of the tree are holy, then the branches will be also. For if the roots of the tree are holy, then the branches will be also. And if the branches are holy, then the fruit will be holy. Because what comes out of the roots is going to ultimately reflect in the fruit. Now." I want to talk about three main things in dealing with roots. The first one is your support system. Your support system is, a, is your network. It is a group of interconnected people or things. Here's the thing. Whatever you are connected to feeds you. Whatever you are connected to feeds you. You need a good support system. We are relational beings. We are made to be, to, be, to, to be personal. We are made to be in community. Community is one of the premier assets and one of the foundational pillars of the Christian faith to be in community. We're referred to in scripture as sheep. And sheep do not, they don't wander alone. They wander around in a flock. As a matter of fact, that's where their strength is. Nobody's ever died from being beat up by a sheep because they're, they're, they're rather passive animals. They'll bite, they hurt, they might draw a little blood, but they won't kill you. The thing about the sheep is that when the wolf is trying to get the sheep, he's going to always seek out the one who is the most susceptible to be used as prey. That's why the Bible tells us to take care of our elders and to take care of our orphans because they are the weakest. They're left uncovered. You're not supposed to be left uncovered. You need community. You need a good support system. You need to know what's feeding you. You need to evaluate what's feeding you. Like, I don't know if you all have it. If you don't have it, you need it. You need some friends in your life. I'm talking about true friends in your life that will tell you not what you want to hear, but will tell you what you need to hear. It's almost like if you're a gardener, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm adding the right fertilizer into the soil. I want to make sure that I'm giving it the right water. I want to make sure that, I'm not, that the water I'm giving it is free from poison. And you want to make sure that your support system is giving you the right things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that you can put a fool in a room full of wise people and, and you can leave him there. And when he comes out, he'll, have, he'll, he'll be wise too. Because something about it, it just it rubs off. Your support system is important. It's feeding you. Your support system, and, and it, may, it may be your family at home. 
Your support system may consist of your friends. Your, your, your support system may consist of your colleagues. It should consist of your, of, 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 of your mentors. It should consist of, 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 you know, of your church family. Your, your, your support system. What is your support system? Who do you call when things are, when, when things are hard? Who do you call when, 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 stuff, when stuff isn't going the right way? And don't feed me the line that, you know what, nobody wants to deal with me. I get that. I get that so much. You know, you know I hear what you say in PC, but nobody, nobody wants to deal with me. You know what? Just because a few people, because a few people just didn't have the time then, you can't take that kind of stuff personal. You got to build a support system for yourself so that you can make sure that you're being fed in the right way. You can't let a few people push you away and, and ignore all people. Maybe those were the people who are supposed to be in your group. That's okay. But you need a good support system that is going to feed you. You need a good support system that's going to believe in you. You need a good support system that's going to encourage you. You need a good support system. You know, it's something. 20 years y'all been friends. And y'all still haven't done anything more. I mean, I, 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 I was talking to a guy I went to college with for the short time I was there. It was like a year and a half. I mean, I don't know if I can qualify as going to college. I walked in and I kind of walked out. I, I tell my wife all the time, I tell people, I'm like, I don't, I don't really drop out of college. I really walked out. Um, I did. I walked out. So glad I did. Um, but I, 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 I was talking I was to this guy, and, and it's so crazy. It's like, you're still doing the same thing that you did when we were freshmen. I remember Creswell Hall. Like, you're still doing the same thing. Usually when we were freshmen in college, you ain't, you ain't tired yet? You go into the club, what, what, what are you celebrating every weekend? <laughs> Is life that sorrowful that you just go to a place with other people who are sorrowful and you just want to party with other sorrowful people? I'm celebrating something. What are you celebrating? I, don't, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to understand the concept here. Your support system is trying to feed you. Your support system is, is giving all this stuff to you. But, but you have to ask yourself the question, am I in the right support system right now? I'm not moving forward. I feel like I'm standing still. In some cases, you even feel like you're moving backward. Is something that you're around, is somebody you're around, is your support system holding you down? Are they holding you down? He's like, man, you know, you dropped out and you doing this, you doing. I was like, yeah, because I got a good support system, man. But you can do this, man. You can you can get up and you can put down alcohol and you can put down this stuff and, and you you got this thing, man. You can do this. And he's like, bro, ain't nobody ain't nobody ever told me that I can really do it. Who's in your support system? Who's encouraging you? See, when you encourage somebody, you're literally filling them with courage. When you discourage somebody, I am taking all the courage out of you. How can I expect for you to truly succeed and do everything God has called you to do and be everything God has called you to be when you are discouraged? That is the reason why it is important for you every opportunity you get to get into a place where you can be encouraged. Throughout the week, you need encouragement. 
You need somebody to encourage you. And maybe the people around you won't do it. So put on a tape, put on a CD, put on some music, something that is encouraging, that is uplifting. Because once you are encouraged, courage goes inside of you. Before you step into the interview, you need some encouragement. You need a support system. You can call. You got this. Don't worry about it. If it's for you, it's going to be for you. God got what's for you for you. If it ain't for you, then walk out. Like That's it. You got this, though. You need a good support system that's going to continue to pour courage in you. You got this. You can run for office. You can get the job. You got the degree. You can get this thing together. You don't have to go backwards. And you need a support system that's bold enough to look at you in your face and say, no, I won't let you stay the same. Because true friends won't let you stay the same. The past 10 years, you've been doing the same thing. You may need to check your loyalty. I, I get it. Loyalty is like my top three. But I refuse to be loyal to something that is dead. I can't. I can't do it. We got to get our clapping right. <laughs> got to get our clapping right. <laughs> I can joke and go right back into it. Support system. You need a good support system. You need it. What, what are you absorbing and what are you anchored in? One thing I've noticed about people is that everybody wants to feel significant. Every person I meet wants to feel significant. You want somebody to feel like you see me. You know, I like going to church, but I don't want to feel like I'm just another person in the number. I want you to see me. Isn't it something we want to be significant, we want to be seen, but yet we try to hide from anything that keeps us from being significant? God's like, I mean, the Bible is clear. If you want, to be, if you want, to, if you want friends, show yourself to be friendly. I ain't got no friends, but be friendly. Well, I tried to be friendly, but they didn't like me. Well, that's just them. That didn't decrease your value just because they didn't like you. Like, you're still valuable. Maybe you didn't need to be connected to them, and that's completely fine. Move on. Move on. But people want to feel significant. People want you to look in their eyes and say, you matter. I care. Thank you. Thank you. That's the reason why I, I try my best to be in the lobby. I try to talk to everybody who's leaving. Hey, how you doing? I'm, and even if people don't want to be touched, I'd be like, hey, how you doing? They'd be like, hey. <laughs> Walking all fast. <laughs> how you doing? So glad you came. Hey. Have a good week. Be back. I, I, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Because people want to feel significant. And isn't it something? People want to feel significant in an age of social media where we should be more social, but we're actually less social. In a world of social media. People are like, oh, I see you did this, but you never talked to me. How did you see? Oh, I saw it. <laughs> or you saw the picture, but you didn't see how I cried after I took it. Because the social aspect of interaction causes for you to at least ask how you're doing and then to care when you ask. Because it don't make me feel significant just because you liked it. It makes me feel significant when you ask me about it. Because now I really feel like you actually care. I feel less of entertainment and I feel more of being needed and wanted. And people want to feel significant. Now, that's important. But because people want to feel significant, one thing that I have seen is that because we are searching for significance, we find ourselves attaching ourselves to anything that will at least show us the least bit of attention. It talks to you sweet, says the right things you need to hear, and all of a sudden you can't let it go. 
So now you're in it. And now you bring it into your support system. You bring it into your pot. You bring it in with you, and you don't realize that what you're bringing in is just a little poison at a time. It makes you feel a certain type of way because you hear what you need to hear just for a moment. Just for a moment. Then you wake up 10 years from now, and you're like, what did I get myself into? What did I get myself into? I know this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing, but because it made me feel the least bit of significance, I just kept going with it. I kept eating on it. People want to feel significant, but because they do, it's causing us to attach ourselves. So I'm, I'm saying this to you practically. Look at everything you're connected to. Look at your support system and ask yourself a question. Is this beneficial? Is this support system, is it pouring? It, what is it pouring in me? You may be a part of great organizations, but what is it pouring in you? Do you feel grieved after you leave? Because that's, that's a problem. My, 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 my thing is, I'm like, God, you know, every day I wake up, I'm like, God, every person I meet, I want them to feel encouraged and challenged after they leave my presence. Encouraged and challenged. Encouraged and challenged. Don't, I'm not the person you want to sit next to and you'd be like, yeah, I've been writing my book. I got one more chapter left, but I haven't done it yet. Oh, you haven't? Why, why haven't you wrote the last chapter? I don't know. I'm a perfectionist, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. I just don't have everything right, and I can't do it right. Okay. So what part of the book was about you? I mean, I'm the one who's writing it, yeah, but you're not the one who's supposed to read it. So every day you hold off on trying to do what it is that God told you to do is another day that you're going to have these people to wait on what he told you to do. That's very selfish of you, don't you think? I mean, I think that's rude, but it, is, it, is it true? Do you just not want to hear it? Or, I mean, I just think, I feel like you should just write the ending chapter of the book. What if I have more? Write another book. The last chapter. I have people who leave. Like, I can't believe you told me that. Well, bye. My value did not increase because you left. But I will not allow for you to be around me and stay the same. Because anything that sits still for too long is either dying or already dead. And you cannot be connected to a dead ox. Could you imagine you trying to plow a field and you're yoked together with a dead ox? Now you can you got to plow the field and you got to drag this thing along with you. You get tired. You get tired. You're like, I can't do this. Unhook. Sometimes when you look at your support system, sometimes you got to tell yourself, hey, you know what? Jonah might need to get off the boat. Because a disobedient Jonah will always bring an unnecessary storm. And if I keep you on this boat, Jonah, I don't just put myself in jeopardy, but I put everybody else on this boat's life in jeopardy as well. And I cannot be concerned what happens when you go off the side. I just got to believe that God already has a place for you to rest until he puts you back on shore so you can, so you can get back on the right place. Because obviously your disobedience is causing a lot of calamity and chaos and drama in this support group, and this support system, it needs to stay strong. I need you to be strong. The guys around me, I need you to be strong. Nope, you can't quit. I know you want to, but you can't. If you quit, I got to quit. And I can't quit, so you can't quit. That's not talking to my friends. You going to quit? Well, I got to quit. We can't quit. So get up, go home, and get, go home, make up with your wife. It's going to be fine. 
Well, I don't feel like it. I ain't asked you how you felt. Just go do it. Then when I'm going through something, I need for you to tell me, nope, you can't quit. You got to keep going. You got to have a good support system. People will tell you the truth. You need that. That's an essential part of your roots. Roots, roots have two main, main functions. They absorb water, nutrients, and they also serve as an anchor. You need to make sure that your support system is allowing for you to absorb the right things. The next one is your garden. Because where you're planted matters. Where you're planted matters. Luke, Luke, uh, Luke 8, 11 to 15. This story is about, about some of those people. The seed is the word of God. The seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it, the devil then snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. I always question, why in the world, how is it the devil could just steal it? Like, how, how is that? But it says that the word was, that the seed was thrown up on the road or upon a hard heart. It was thrown, it was thrown upon gravel. It was, it, was, it, was, it was like thrown upon cement. And the way I see this is, you ever seen like in the morning, you ever seen the worms that kind of come out? And like it's kind of moist, out, it's like kind of wet outside and they're kind of coming out. And they're like on the sidewalk and you're, like, you're looking at them, you're like, oh my God, you're so far away from the grass, you're about to die. It's just like, they just slowly just kind of move, and the sun's coming out, and the sun's about to dry them up. But even before the sun can get them, the bird just comes down and doop, snatches it. Because when it is on something that is solid, it doesn't have, a, it doesn't have an opportunity to truly, to truly grow. It can't really get entrenched. And because, because it is now open, it is open to the extremities that are around it, so the bird will come right in and snatch it because it's just easy prey. That's for the people who will hear this this morning, but your heart is so hardened that the enemy says, you don't even need it. And just in case your heart does soften from it, I don't want to have anywhere around you that it could seep through. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only, it's only another fad, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. Bunch of emotionalism. You got excited. I know I've done that before. I went home, and I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, man. Church was so amazing. And they said, what, is, what, is, what, is, what was the sermon about? I don't know. But I had a good time. When I went to this one Pentecostal church, man, I promise we danced for at least four hours. I think I took a nap and woke up, and they were still dancing. Still dancing. I was like, man, it was like, it was bananas. It was crazy. I don't remember any of the word. And like Monday came. And I was working downtown. I remember getting to work. I was like so excited. I was so happy I got to work. And my boss looked at me. And my boss was like, where you been? I'm like, where I been? Dude, it's 8.02. I'm only two minutes late. Chill. He's like, no, you, you make sure you don't. He's all in my face and going off. And I'm like, ooh, we only got one mom and daddy. Oh. <laughs> and it messed up my whole day. Eventually messed up my whole week. I hated him. Didn't, didn't want to talk to him. Didn't want to be around him. Didn't want anything to do with him. I was so upset. I was so mad. And, and I remember I was so enthusiastic about, about what I heard or what I experienced. But the enthusiasm, it, 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 it stopped me from being able to really hear the word. It stopped me from, from really being able to accept what was being said. Wasn't much really talked about. But it, it stopped me from, from being able to really hear. And I'm telling you, you can't just be enthusiastic about what you hear. you got to actually receive it. One of the things that helps me, I hope this helps you. One thing that I like to do when I'm, when I'm listening to somebody talk. I don't like to write down necessarily what they say. You know, I mean, you know, no, the power statements don't really help me. What I write down 
are the things that the Holy Spirit is saying to me behind what they say. That helps me. Let me give you an example. So then you hear me talk about a support system. You have a good support system. Then you should be writing down, I need to change my support system. I need to let Jimmy go. (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) Carla has been a lot. She's been gossiping. We're going to have a conversation on Tuesday. Take her to lunch. She can't do this in the support group because it's messing up all the other girls. (laughs) Exclamation point. So that way when you leave from the huddle today, Holy Spirit said, I already gave you an action plan. She don't leave like, what, what, what was it about? Oh, I got a whole thing about what it's about. I got a whole list of stuff I got to do. I have a whole to-do list. I need to apologize to my coworkers because I cussed them out last week. <laughs> hmm, question mark. <laughs> they might have deserved that one. I'll wait to the next one. <laughs> okay, back to this. And the seed that fell in the weeds. Well, these are the ones who hear. But then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. Which means you heard the word, you got the word, but you're like, okay, whatever, I'm still going to kind of do what I'm doing. I still, I'm still worried about tomorrow. You leave from here knowing, oh my goodness, I don't have to worry anymore. And as soon as you walk out the door, I'm worried. I'm worried. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Oh my God, it's so bad. It's going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad. And now you're worried. Now you're just worried about making money. You're worried about, you know, Monday blues. It's going to be Monday soon around four o'clock. Your stomach's going to start turning because you don't know work is in the morning. You'll be texting everybody. I really don't want to go to work tomorrow. I really don't want to do this tomorrow. So to setting your mind already and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to choose to be joyful. God, I want to choose. I'm going to choose to go a different route. This is what I've always done, but I'm going to choose to go a different way. That's why you need to have a good support system that when you text them and say, I don't feel like doing this tomorrow, you got somebody in your support system that says, what you talking about? There's some probably going to be some great opportunities going to come up tomorrow. You need to have your perspective. Remember, perspective is wealth. Get your notes from last Sunday. Perspective is wealth. That's your training ground. That ain't the place for you to just, that ain't just your paycheck. That's your training ground because 10 years from now, you're going to be glad you got that. You're going to be glad you learned that. You're going to be glad you were there. Because while you were just an accountant right there, you didn't realize that God was forming you in such a way to learn, to learn about the business so that you can learn how to do accounting for your own business. Perspective is wealth. But you were so focused on they they promoted her over me because you didn't need the promotion because God don't intend for you to stay there that long. You just passing through. Just passing through. Oh, Vivian got the promotion. Well, God bless her. She got more work to do. <laughs> I see y'all. I think it is 459. I'll be grabbing my stuff here soon. Vivian, God bless you. And you don't get upset. You don't get envious over what other people get. You don't get envious over it because you're like, no, what God has for me is for me. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do right here. The, the last one. But the seed in the good earth or in the good soil, in the good heart. These are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there is a harvest. Here's the question I want you to answer for yourself. Is your environment conducive to sustainable growth? Not just growth. It's not just that I want you to grow. It's that I want you to have sustainable growth. The title of this particular message is Grow Up. Is your environment conducive to sustainable growth? Which means that the people in your support system look at your accomplishments and say, that can be better. 
or we're going to maintain what you're doing. We're going to make that better. We're going to do this better. You got this better. You can do this. You can do this right here. You got to be able to you got to be have a support system where you can talk about more than just people. You can have a support system. where You can talk about the word where you can talk about you can talk about business ideas where you can talk intellectually about politics and government without being upset and irate about what somebody else, how somebody else feels, where you can be an adult in a conversation and actually be able to express your feelings and hear somebody else's without you losing your value over what somebody else has to say. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Need a good support system. A good support system. Your environment exposes you to different things. And most people don't really grow because they don't get planted long enough. You know, in our, in our social media age, in our technological age, you know, people have, they have a pastor, but they also have like a social media pastor, and they have like an uncle social media pastor. Then they have like the pastor that they kind of like, but they really don't like, and they, but they listen to him anyway. They have the other pastor that's like, she's really amazing, but I don't know. I mean, you, I, li- I read her blogs. I watch her stuff. I listen to this stuff. I, I read his books. And we, we have all these different things that we're just taking in, and we're taking a lot of different stuff. And then what happens is we look out and we see something that we think is better. And then we go after what we think is better. When we never consult God and say, God, is that really what you want me to have? Is where, where you have me, is that where you're planting me? I get so many people who say, you know, God's called me somewhere else. You just told me two weeks. You just, mm, God changed his mind again for you. God bless you. I get it. I get it. And that'd be the reason why you're not growing. Because you don't, you don't get planted long enough. You're just a different seed who just jumped from a different pot, hoping that the next pot is going to have something for you that you need. When you don't realize that where you were had all the nutrients that you needed. But since you were uncomfortable, you were uncomfortable, you're like, no, I'm going to jump to this one. Uh, well, I'll see you in 10 years. I'll see you. Yeah, you'll come back around. And when you finally see it, you finally wake up and you realize that the, pl- that the pot God put me in is the one that he had me in. That's the one that he wants me to be. He wants you to be planted for the long haul. I mean, I get that. I get that way, too. You start looking at things. Heather and I, we were, we were, in, we were in L.A. We went over to Beverly Hills. We, we were having a good time. You know, uh, Orange County having a good time. And, I'm, you know, and, and man, I, I looked at Heather and I said, I don't go back home. <laughs> I'm up 2 o'clock in the morning. Heather's like, what are you doing? I'm looking at houses. She's like, where? Out here. Heather's like, you can't move. We can't, we can't move to California. And I was like, why? She's like, babe, we have a whole church at home. Like, they don't really need me. I can come back every once in a while. We'll be fine. We can, like, start a whole new one. It'll be okay. She's like, no, you, that's why you have a good support system. Because, you know, sometimes when you're hungry, sleepy, tired, all that kind of stuff, you don't need to make decisions. My wife knows when I'm, like, making a bad decision. She'll be like, baby, go to sleep. Put the thing down. Go to sleep. When you wake up in the morning, woke up in the morning, I'm like, yeah, what am I talking about? We ain't moving nowhere. We got to go back home to Atlanta. We got kids. We ain't got our kids with us. I'm going to have two bedroom houses. Like, what are we doing? Like, I got kids. I got, a whole, I got a whole family at home. I forgot all about everybody. Whole village. Whole village. Whole village. Just, Heather's like, what? I, I was trying to figure out what you were doing. Hey, I was just dissatisfied. But I always have to remember, you got to have a good support system that tells you, nope, where you're planted is where you need to stay. Where you're planted is where you need to stay. Well, I don't like it. Well, you know what? It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable. The, the, the last thing is your fruit. Very quickly. Your fruit represents your maturity. You are not spiritually mature 
just because you know scripture. I know people who went to theology school. They went to seminary and they came out as agnostics and atheists. That's because God is too big to study. God is not known through intellectualism. He's known by experience. If he was known by intellectualism, then then Saul would not have to experience Jesus because he was already intellectual in his knowledge. He was a very wise man, but because he experienced God and his whole his whole essence, his whole persona was then changed from Saul to Paul. It's something about the experience. You don't win people over through intellectualism. I will not argue with you about the gospel. I will present it. God will do the rest. That's it. Very simple. Well, young brother, you don't understand that the you know, Christianity is the white man's religion. Look at a map, bro. Get the Bible out. Even in the Bible, it says there was an Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, it, was, it, was, it was the apostle John who saw the Ethiopian eunuch. And he, he, John asked him, he said, he said, do you know what you're reading? It was John. He said, do you know what you're reading? He said, he said, uh, he said no, how would I know unless somebody teach me? If you only understood even, even, the, even, even the, the biblical context of Ethiopia, you would be able to tell these people that's not even accurate. We don't know stuff like that. We just listen to sound bites. We take little things that we read, little blogs. This person wrote it. People be sending me a sermon. Have you listened to this message yet about how Jesus wasn't really even Jesus? How the, how, how, how the Red Sea was only four feet tall? Made it a greater miracle then. I don't know how God drowned everybody in five feet of water. But <laughs> I'm not here to debate this with you. I'm just here to live it. That's it. I just, I'm going to live it. And you can't argue with experience. You can argue me with intellectualism. You can't argue me with experience. But, but your, your fruit, your fruit, your fruit, your fruit, your fruit is not known. It's not known because of how much you know. Your fruit, your fruit is known because you truly possess the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness goodness, um, the rest of them. Because you, because you possess the fruit, you can go, you go, you go to, uh, to, uh, to the book of Galatians, you can find them, but you know that you, you have the fruit of the Spirit. Very simple. You can, you can know a lot of word, and you can be super mean. I'm serious. Like I said before, I mean, I've, 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 I've encountered women who have, who have denim skirts all the way past their feet, and they were mean. No makeup on their face and no love in their heart. I've encountered, I've encountered preachers who had, I mean, suits, and their, their shoes were still snapping. They just got their crock out the water. Dude didn't speak to me when he walked by. Why your back like that, bro? They call me apostle. What did your mama name you? <laughs> I had one guy who did that. I was like, hey, what's up? He was like, oh, it's apostle. <laughs> what's your name, bro? What's your name? Don't lead with your title. Your spiritual maturity isn't known by your position. In fact, I live with this idea. When it comes to leadership for me, if you want to call me pastor, let me earn it. Because when, when, when you call me that, 
because you really see me as that, then that means more to me than me telling you to do it. What should I call you? I don't know. Just anything. Just don't call me out of my name. Because then we got a slap box. You don't want to fight. I do not want to be on Fox 5 News, local Atlanta pastor, slap boxing with a churchman. I don't want to do that. Let's just don't call me out my name. PC is great. If you don't want to call me that, hey, that's on you. Just don't disrespect me out of my name. That's all I got to say. But your spiritual maturity is not known by what you know. Your spiritual maturity is not known, is not known by your position in the church. Your spiritual maturity is known by the fruit you possess. And if the roots are holy, then the branches will be holy and the fruit will be holy. And it's it's known not just by your spiritual fruit, by the love, joy, pain, all that kind of stuff, but but it's also known by the acts of obedience. You're obedient. You're obedient to what God tells you to do. Simple stuff, small things. Like just the small things he's telling you to write down about your life right now that he wants you to change. It's a small thing. Make this change. Do this right. Don't go over there. Don't talk about that. Change this part of your support system. Build a support system. Evaluate your friendships. Evaluate your relationships. Cut off this thing. Build this thing. It's the small things. That's how we know you're spiritually mature. We know you're spiritually mature when no one has to look over your shoulder and tell you to read the word because you're mature enough to know you need to read it for yourself. We know you're spiritually mature when you don't have to depend on grandmama's prayers praying for you. That's something. Grandmama's prayers still help. What? What? You mature. You can pray for yourself. You do know you have the same access. Grandmama's dead and gone. It's your turn. You take the mantle. You pray. I get people coming to me and they'll say, you know, Pastor, I want the deep things of God. I'm trying to get some deep revelatory stuff. And somebody told me and said, you know, I want to really learn about revelations. When the Bible says that he came out on his white steed and he came with a sword and he had King of Kings and Lord of Lords embedded upon his thigh. What does that symbolize? What does it represent? I don't know. Just be ready for it. The angels in the book of Revelations, what do they mean? I don't know. Because when you get down to it, you want to know the toughest sermon I have ever heard? Love your enemies. Are you want a difficult sermon? You want a deep sermon? Love your ex. Oh, oh. Hit you right there in the heart, didn't it? That's deep. 1 Corinthians 13 is like, when I read it, I'd be like, are you serious? Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. So you still holding on to stuff. And love doesn't take an account of what happened to it. Deep. Forgive as you have been forgiven. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. Endure all trials and tribulations with joy. It kind of puts a whole new spin on your whole study of Revelations, don't it? Like, oh, well, hold up. Before I get there, I might need to call up my coworker that I did cuss out last week. I probably need to stop being so mean towards the kid's parent. Instead of making an excuse, well, you don't know how they are to me, but the Bible says you want a deep message. I'm giving you one. Love. You want to be spiritually mature? Love. Be kind. Be gentle. Be patient with people. Patience as deep.
Be patient with the people who you think are slow. Are slower than you. They don't move as fast as you do. They don't think as quick as you do. They don't move around like you do. Be patient with them. Then you won't throw so many people away because you'll realize God was patient with me. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to love you regardless of what you say to me, regardless of how you treat me, regardless of what you do. I am going to love you and I'm going to let love rule. That's a deep thing. That's the fruit we got to possess. So you need to have a good support system. You got to have a good support system. You got to know your garden. Where are you planted? If you allow for poison to get inside of your garden and you allow for offense to get in your heart, you need to deal with that. Deal with the offense in your heart. Maybe offended at a brother, maybe offended at a sister, maybe maybe offended at somebody. Maybe it's, I got people who come, they, they're offended at me. I'm like, I don't even know you. How you offended? What I do? Well, you said something and I didn't like it. I don't even know you. But the enemy uses offense. He uses offense to cause division. Let that stuff go. You need to have a good support system that when you start gossiping about your offense, they look at you and say, don't say that. You know that ain't even true. You mad right now. We're going to deal with that. No, don't. No, uh -uh. You can't bring that gossip up in here. No, nope, that's going to cause division. You know, but you know that's, that's not what pastor said, though. Nope, he don't even know you, girl. Nope, that ain't. Mm -mm. You got to deal with that. That's offense in your heart. You got to have a good support system because what they're doing, they're helping you to pull up that root of bitterness that is in you because that is what is holding you down. You bitter at everybody. The church hurt me. The church didn't hurt you. It was somebody in the church who hurt you. Deal with them, but leave the bride alone. You talk about my wife, we're going to have some problems. The same way Jesus does not want you to disrespect his bride. If somebody in it did something, then the Bible says you confront that person. You confront that person. Doesn't mean that you have to go out and and put it all on social media so everybody else can start confronting the person. That all, we gotta get this stuff right. The Bible says if you have all against your brother, you go to your brother. You don't go to Facebook. And then if, you're, if your brother doesn't hear it, then you bring other believers along, then you confront your brother. And then if they don't hear it, then you, you put them before the church council, then the church council deals with it. That's how we deal with conflict in the church. You don't just go around exposing people so that everybody else can hate them the way you hate them. Because I guarantee you, you hear me clearly when I tell you this. One day you'll be on the other side of it and you won't think it's as funny. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.